What's going on? Welcome to KZ1023's Community Beat, a new podcast hosted by myself, Ross Martinez. Each episode, we take a deep dive look into members of our community, the accomplishments, the trauma, the mentors, all of it. I hope this brings light to all the great things going on in our community. Yes, at times, it may be difficult to hear, and some episodes will have some spicy language, but please don't be deterred. There's so much beauty in our stories. All right, let's get to KZ's Community Beat. Thank you for listening. And if it doesn't include education, caring for the poor, caring for the imprisoned, or caring for the elderly, I'm not doing it. All right, welcome in to another episode of KZ1023's Community Beat. I'm Ross Martinez, your host. Welcome in. And finally, I'm so excited. <laughs> the lady we've been talking about for, what, six, seven episodes? Oh, wow. Everybody <laughs> I've talked to is, you need to talk to Hetty. You need to talk to Hetty. Hetty's awesome. Hetty's the Ooh. one. She's amazing. So finally, we have you here. The pressure's here on you, Hetty. There's pressure. Hetty <laughs> <laughs> Ellen from the Moonlight Program and so many more other things. We'll get into them all. Okay. But how are you feeling today? I'm, I feel good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. I'm going to close the laptop. We're going to go authentic as possible. Okay. Hey, why do so many people say so many great things about you? You know, I don't know, but that's what a blessing, right? Yeah. What a blessing to have that reputation. When you think so. about it, it's your good work that other people see in you. Like I've heard from Kendall Johnson. He kept saying you're authentic. Oh. You have a big heart. Becky couldn't stop praising you. Demario Boone, oh my God, he was singing your praises left and right. Carl Holloway also, a lot of different names. So what type of things do you do for the community? It's complicated. (laughs) We were talking off mic, you're like, well, there's so much to talk about, Ross. (laughs) So where where would you like to start from how I got here or what I I do now? What What makes you so passionate about things you do? Um, You know, I think I... um, you know, inherited inherited uh, my passion um, through my family, through my dad. Um, growing up, my everybody knew my dad. Okay, my dad um, had a way with words, and he knew how to, with his words, draw people in instead of push them away. You know, so every time he saw somebody, he had something nice to say about him. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, have you been working out, Ross? You like, That's <laughs> look a lie. At, that is a lie. You <laughs> just met me. You don't know. All right. We're starting to get So he always had that way where he would with, you know, draw people in with his words and be positive. And I think it's just something that I... Um, kind of picked up on and knew how to talk to people and talk to children and mm. um I would say that's that's how it all started just just having the influence of my parents and accepting everybody and treating everybody with kindness it, it's you know so what would you say really stuck out about it like what would you see or feel as your father was just spreading kind joy to people like how did that make you feel from an early age well so I have all brothers, and my dad used to uh, play basketball and racquetball down at the YMCA, which is now the Dream Center. Oh, uh, and, I it once. It's yeah. nice. So yeah. my dad would go down there, and he would talk to all of these kids and teenagers, and he would call them the Y friends. He didn't know anybody's name. And then the kids would... All of these kids would be running around our house or teenagers. None of us knew what any 
her names were. We just called them the Y friends. Oh, the What's Y friends that? are here. <laughs> What's up, friends? Welcome in. <laughs> and my dad would say, oh, the Y friends are coming over tomorrow. And they just all these kids are running around our house. And my mom's cooking for them. And then at Christmas, my dad would buy all the Y friends um, Christmas gifts. And that's just how he was. We didn't even really know who these people were who were running around our house. We didn't really care. They were we just were, there. Yeah, we were so used to it. And I remember I was teaching third grade at Garfield and probably 15 years ago. And it was the grandfather of my student. We were talking during parent conference. He was raising his grandson and he said, I have a really strange question. He said, what's your dad's name? Mm. <laughs> I said, Royce Elliott. He says, I'm a wife friend. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, you're a wife friend. <laughs> it's like your own fraternal order right, right here. Right. Just everybody under the wife friend. Right. Uh, but you don't know why. <laughs> right. <laughs> So this type of camaraderie that you your father is building among the community, how did that, did you get a sense of pride seeing this? Or was it just like warm feeling like a community? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I was so young and I had older brothers who were into sports and everyone was always at our house. And my dad was sponsoring everybody, paying for T-shirts, sponsoring sports teams, paying for lunches, anything that kids wanted to be involved in, my parents were all in, whether they knew them or not. And I didn't understand it until probably even well into adulthood, you know, when people say, well, how do you, you know, do what you do? How do, you know, why do the kids behave for you? And and I I really don't know. I don't really have an answer. But as, you know, as I've gotten older and self-reflected, I just... It was something that my parents taught and I naturally picked up on. And I think, I mean, I think that says it all, really. Well, I feel like a lot of community members have already said that you fulfill that in a way, that you instill a lot of confidence, not just through education, but self-worth in the children Mm -hmm. that you teach. Like, how does that sound hearing other people speak about you in such a high regard? Like, almost as high as you had your father, if not even higher. You know, it's 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 really humbling. You know, I always try to operate underground, you know, and yeah. I, and you know you had to you know oh, almost yeah. stalk me. <laughs> you did stalk me, Ross. I'm gonna I say did. you stalked me. Hetty, Hetty, I'm gonna tell you right now. I, I texted you three times, I called you about five times. I loved you God how many how many email or emails, voicemails. And I, I for those that don't know, we're not aware. This is how we finally got in contact. Because this is a great story. I was doing my show on KZ1023, and I was—I just said, you know what? That's it. I'm calling this woman out. I'm a, Somebody let God handle this. I'm like, hey, what's going on? The all-new KZ1023. If you know Hedy Elliott, I've been tracking this woman down for God knows how long. I want to talk to her. And she does amazing for the community. And then within two hours, Kendall Johnson gives mm-hmm. me a call. Hey, brother, how's it going? Uh, we got Hedy Face. She gave me a call now. I said, What? <laughs> How did that feel? Oh, <laughs> you said a lot of people were hitting Oh, up. my gosh. Everybody and their mom would they <laughs> sending me texts and posting it on my timeline on Facebook. I thought, what is happening? <laughs> I'm at work, and it's like everybody's like, you're getting called out on the radio. I am? What? Yes. What's happening? 
Yes. <laughs> You've earned the right to be called out in a positive way, Hetty. I mean, let's talk about your good work that you do with the kids. So what type of things do you do for at the Moonlight? Well, actually, I have two jobs, so two full-time jobs, and, <laughs> and love it. So during the day, I run an alternative program uh, at Lincoln School through Peoria Public Schools, and I'm the only one in the school district who does it. Oh, wow. And it's all boys, kids who've had it a little bit rough or maybe have gotten in some trouble, whether they were incarcerated or expelled or they're fighters, or... A couple of them are just maybe more socially, um, they need a smaller setting. Not so much they've been in trouble, just a, uh, the big, you know, switching classes and hundreds of students is too much for them. Do they have like a lot of trauma that they've experienced to the point yes. that you've got to, yes. gotten to start helping them? Yes. Hmm. So at, um, I've been, I've always taught, um, young kids and I've taught GED at night my whole career since I was a first year teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I started teaching at the old Harrison um which is about to be demolished. Oh. And at nighttime I taught at the county jail. And so I've always done, you know, during the day children and at night adults and I never really could choose because I loved both arenas so much. 25 years later, I still haven't <laughs> chosen one over the other. So It has a grab on you, huh? Yeah. And Why does it have such a grab on you? 25 years. That means it's 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 in you. Yeah. Like, this isn't just the, the profession or a career. This is a way of life for yeah. you now. Yeah. Like, why has it got such a grab on you? Um, I think, you know, I, I just gain a lot of inspiration from the students. Mm. And, you know, I have teach a lot of students who have been through, I mean— to hell and back yeah. um, and they still are trying to make their way and so I, I, I think it's inspiring to see people persevere and never give up and I th through my Christian faith I think yeah that's what you know this is my calling on earth is to make sure that people have the support to keep moving forward yeah. and so, yeah, I I just love it. So let's talk about during the day. This is your Clark Kent moment. Mm -hmm. So what's going on? What are you doing? What type of things are you teaching the children right in yeah. the day? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I teach 7th and 8th graders, um, all boys. And I actually talked to my principal and advocated for all boys. I said, Ooh. you know, the boys are the ones going to prison and getting killed. Um Teenage boys. These are teenage boys, and they're the ones uh, who, you know, need a lot more direction. They need um, a, a permanent kind of person that instead of switching classes where you don't really get to know the teacher, mm -hmm. having one teacher all day, you have a lot more support. And you get to know the others in your class because you're with them all day. Provide consistency. And, right. And, you know, the teacher. So, you know, in a sense, I become like their school mom. So they trust me. <laughs> they feel like I can make everything okay. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I can't. Um, but they know, <laughs> you know, that they can come to me for anything. And and I tell them that, too. I mean, I'm I'm really honest with the kids. If it's late at night. 
you need a ride and you're walking somewhere where you think it's dangerous, you call me. I'm I'm not going to be happy about getting up and <laughs> taking you somewhere, <laughs> but I I have to make sure you're safe, and I make sure all of the kids know that I'm always there for you, like you know, like your own mom. Yeah. Um, I'll be there for you. So I think you know that you know it, after 25 years, you can't walk away from that. You know, yeah. the kids rely on you. The students who I have are able to stay with me for two years if their parents want them to. That's and I good. teach every subject. So I teach, um, I taught American history um, at one point in my career, and I teach uh, history, science, social, or um, math. I was taught a ma- math to adults before. I've taught writing and English at the college level. So I, I, I teach the kids every subject. It's self-contained and hmm. I have to say I'm the worst gym teacher probably <laughs> in the city. You know, like, okay, choices today are basketball or basketball. <laughs> this is what we got, the resources right. we have. If you want more, tell the community. Right. Hit, hit, cough, cough. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What do you feel more empowered when you're teaching? The curriculum, the everyday stuff, the knowledge, or the empowerment? Because you're teaching both. right. So the key is, and you know, uh, and I talk to young teachers, new teachers, you can know curriculum backwards and forwards. You can know subject matter backwards and forwards, but it won't matter if you can't reach the kids. Why does that matter? So you really have to get the kids in in a place where they're calm, they're comfortable, um, they're trusting and as soon as you can establish that the learning just comes naturally they want to learn they want to learn because they uh, know that that I have an expectation that they will learn and so it's once you can calm the behaviors down and I think that really helps being in one classroom there's not a lot of movement if we have something um, that's really interesting that the students find interesting. It can, because they don't have to switch classes, we can continue that conversation or, you know, stay on one subject a little bit longer for that day. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff really helps the atmosphere of, of learning, you know. So, so. so you're building trust. Right. So in what ways do you build trust with the students? Because like we said, every person is different. Everybody mm-hmm. has different baggage, trauma. Right. So in a communal sense, how do you gain the trust of the class? Well, I look nice, probably. <laughs> like, I'm a really nice person. You have a good spirit I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I am tough, and I have high expectations. Hmm. And um, I'm very organized in the classroom, and to the point where if you came in, it almost runs like a... A Catholic school, you know, the the kids are, you know, sitting there, you know, sit up straight, you know, why do, don't slouch down, sit up straight, you know, eyes on the speaker, you know, and I repeat that all the time, you know, I need to know that you're you are learning, and I need to know that you're interested in learning, and slouching down in your chair or having your hood on, <laughs> there you go, Ross. <laughs> so, it was Nate. I'm a student. I was like, yeah, yes, 
Yes, Miss Elliot, I appreciate <laughs> But, you, you know, at some point, the kids have pride in that. So if we have a kid who transfers in or, when you, you know, we get a new kid, they almost feel um, good about what, what they already know. And, no, Miss Elliot's not going to let you cuss. Oh, you better not do that. Miss Elliot won't, you know, won't allow that. They know the rules. They know my expectations. And they're they're happy to make me happy. I think. Um, so building so, structure. Yeah, that's what you do. So you yeah. build the structure, which improves the foundation, mm-hmm. and it leads to them trusting your right. guidance mm-hmm. in a way. That's interesting. I the, like that. The other thing, I I believe that I'm good at. A lot of these kids are really rough, and they've seen a lot. Okay, mm-hmm. in their life. And I bring him back to being a little kid. So if you come in my room, it's vibrant. You know, my bulletin boards have snowflakes and, you know, it's colorful. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I bring in hot chocolate and let them put all of the toppings on it so they can drink hot chocolate as we're reading. All of those things to remind them, you're, you're just a kid, you know, and, you know, maybe... You're six feet tall. Maybe you're 300 pounds. Maybe, you know, you have long hair and people don't like that or judge you in some kind of way or whatever it is. Or, you know, maybe the area of town you live in, you know, Taft Homes or Harrison Homes. Or maybe people are judging you by whatever, you know, um, some false... um, preconceived notions right so you're and, allowing them a safe space to not only figure out their character but their foundation and also express themselves mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. with some guidance and structure yeah so it's like you're creating this positive role model in their life of consistency mm-hmm. which allows them to look inwards like okay wait you know i can trust my heart with this world mm-hmm. wow yeah. that's that you know when you break it when it's broken down like that it's very beautiful when you think oh, about it thank you because it's like now, with the hope that they now go into the community, with the self mm-hmm. uh inside, like, oh, no, 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 yeah. I'm a good person. Yeah. Not yeah. whatever this world thinks of me. It's right. me inside. Right. So where'd you get that type of lesson plan from? Because I feel like that's either lived in or that's at least somebody impacts you, like your father. Well, I, yeah, I think it was the Y friends. I mean, the y friends. <laughs> it's the Y friends. I mean, these, all of, you know, these kids running around our house, you know, my guess is back in the day, uh, the Warner Homes was still up. I My guess is a lot of these kids lived in the Warner Homes and my dad didn't care. You're a kid. Yeah. You know, you're a kid. You come over to my house. You you eat anything you want. You watch TV. You run up and down our stairs and play tag. Do whatever you want. You know, you're a wife friend. You yeah, know, you're here. You're family. Yeah. Huh. How do you feel when you see a child that's lost or, or that the world has gotten to? Before um, you can instill something in them. I'm, I'm a magnet to those kids, or they're a magnet to me, or some, we're a magnet to each other. Really? It, it just, it's immediate. It just, you feel it? Like, you just sense it? Mm-hmm. It's like some people have this, um, uh, what was Willie really talking about? Uh, discernment. Mm-hmm. Where you could see someone, you could read them or feel them emotionally, empathetic, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that innate characteristic about you, where you could just feel like, oh, they need some loving. You know, I, I have a... I have really good instinct, and um, in another 
<laughs> Another mm-hmm. podcast we can talk about Latin America and my travels Did and all of that. Did you just agree to the second episode with me? <laughs> yes! <laughs> so I think I have good instincts. So I travel a lot by myself to dangerous countries. I taught inmates. And, you know, I, I think I just have a good, um, I have good instinct. And every once in a while, I never wanted to know why inmates were you know, why they were in front of me. They, my job was to be a teacher, and I'm not I'm not there to police you or... Your past doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just here as a teacher. That's my role. So I never wanted to know. And, you know, sometimes you'd see on TV or you'd read in the paper, and so I would know what they've done. But I never wanted to know. But occasionally someone would come in my class, and I... And I had a bad feeling and they they didn't do anything to me they didn't say anything it was just a feeling I had Hmm. um so I always trusted my my instinct because it it's so rare that when it does happen um I I feel like trust your gut yeah yeah so your gut is taking down 25 years of helping out the youth and the adults so we're talking about the kids right now and Mm -hmm. everything that you're still in them was there any standout children to you in, in the 25 years that you're like, ooh, they took it, they ran with it, and now they're doing something with it? Ooh, you lit up. Okay, there's there's a couple. Okay. Um, my uh, most tragic is probably too too fresh for me to get into without crying. Yeah, no worries. Um, he was just an amazing kid, and I had him when he was in seventh grade. His mother was murdered when he was little, and so he's really, when I had him at first, really a bitter kid, um, mean, a fighter, um, wasn't wasn't a wasn't a real fan of school or a fan of anybody telling him what to do. He was hurt, so. Just in the beginning, you know, we, we, you know, bumped heads and I just, I loved, I just ended up loving this kid. So in, so we, we just always kind of stayed in, in, in contact with each other. And when COVID hit, he kind of got messed up on his, um, out or his credits for high school. He made it senior year. And so he called me, Miss Elliot. You know, I I need to. I I got messed up last semester. I need to get enrolled in school. And I remember it was in July, a couple of years ago. And I said, sure. What, what do you want? And, you know, I can. You know, Mr. Thomas, who uh, runs the alternative high school. I said he's actually in session, so we could run up there and talk to him, and then he can kind of give us some guidance. So we went up there, talked to Mr. Thomas, got him back enrolled in high school. He ended up finishes finishing his senior year. He got a job um, working at a local uh, not for profit and was doing really well. We ended up getting his driver's license. Um, you know, he wanted to drive my new Lexus. I told him he could drive my Toyota. Right. His sister ended up letting him uh, drive her car. But um, 
got you know got him to uh, all of his paperwork in to be an appre- apprentice in the Carpenters Union, oh, and nice. he was supposed to start July fifth, and unfortunately, he was shot to death on July fourth of this past summer. So, yeah. I, well, I did not know that that story was going to take that turn out there, yeah. right there. So, and how's that been with everybody? You said it's still tough. It's tough. I mean, this kid was like my son, you know. And we, um, last September, which not this, he had passed this September, but um, it would be 2021, September of 2021, he and I rappelled down the Pier Marquette for charity. Yep. We we climbed down the 17 floors and... You know, it's just in in retrospect, I know all of this time with him was a, a gift yes. to me from from God. And all of those things were supposed to happen yeah. um, in his short lifetime. And so, yeah, it's not to pry too much. And yeah. you can tell me to stop, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm a very inquisitive person. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing raw emotion here. I'm like. Okay. Have you processed the positive or the lesson that was you were supposed to get from that? Because everything we go through, I'm a man of God, mm-hmm. um, born and raised Catholic, mm-hmm. altar boy. Yeah. I pride myself to hit that cross <laughs> all the way up as high as possible. Eddie. I'm like, ah, feel him. <laughs> like, have you processed the lesson you're supposed to get from that relationship yet? I'm trying, yeah. you know, because it was, um, yeah, it was like I lost my own child you know and um that's the sad reality of yeah. what you're going through yeah you'll have some success stories yeah. but then you'll have some like these mm-hmm. and what do you wish the community knew about events like this of, well i mean it, in this particular in the you know this is 25 years of it i mean i've this is not the first and unfortunately he won't be the last i mean it's 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 the harsh reality of you, you know I guess I could teach somewhere else and teach in a in, in an environment that I wouldn't have so much kids. yeah and have so much heart a heartache over it but you know what a kid what you, who else is going to repel down a building I mean a, yeah. a teenager for charity from where he came from you know and maybe it's to teach you that there's a lot of good in people's yeah, hearts. Yeah. And no matter through the trauma that they've been through, they're still good. Yep. And that you have a skill set that you could get to it. Because mm-hmm. look what you're able to take them through. Yeah. That's a memory you take. Yeah. Now, on the flip, do you have any success stories that are still. Oh, yes. Let's yes. talk about them. Let's get out this yeah, okay. emotion right now. Yes. I want to bring the smile back. Yeah. Because with the podcast that we're trying to do, I'm trying to find stories, mm-hmm. uncover. The reality of what's going on in our yeah. community, not just what we put on the TV or right. talk about on the radio yeah. or, oh, my God, this person has the whatever. Yeah. No, but there's there's people that have been through the horribles of the world. Yeah. So tell me about those. So I would say my she was in my second year of teaching. I had her in third grade at the old Harrison School. Mm. Tough, tough Um home there was a lot of abuse um she you know if if you went to Harrison at that time no one had any any money you know every 
the Harrison Homes used to be probably four times as as big, probably even bigger than that. It was several blocks. Um, so all of the kids who went to Harrison, almost all of them lived in Harrison Homes. And this girl was just the sweetest girl I've ever met from the very beginning. And I didn't have kids at the time, so she really became my daughter. I did everything with her. Um, through the, she, she ended up um, staying in Peoria until 7th or 8th grade, and she moved to Wisconsin. Hmm. But throughout her years, I've always given her a Christmas present. I, when I travel, I've always bought her gifts from Latin America or wherever I go, you know, just like you would do for your own kids, you know, yeah. little souvenirs. She ended up moving to Wisconsin. Her mom um, moved up there to give the the kids a, a shot in life. A change of scenery. Right. And she ended up graduating high school, nice. uh, graduating college. Nice. Uh, she's working on her master's degree right now. She works for the police uh, police department in Texas. She is the first African American female to own her own drone business and she's the only African American and the only female who flies drones into crime scenes if crime if it's too dangerous to send people in. Really? She's called to fly the drone in to take pictures of what's going on. She's just an amazing person. And she ended up traveling to Latin America after she graduated from college. And she went down there and did some volunteer service. And she said, oh, you have to talk to my mom. My mom is so afraid of me going to Latin America, you know. You have to talk to my mom. And I, I said, you know what? I was there, Lakeisha, with my dad. My dad did not want me to go. You know, like, you need to go to Cuba to study Spanish? No, go out to the Barnes and & Noble and, and buy a Spanish book. You don't need to be going Rosetta to... Stone. English, <laughs> You don't need to go to a communist country to learn Spanish. I said, I've been there. I've been there. So she is an incredible uh, young lady and... I got a phone call from her in maybe end of October, and mm-hmm. I answered the phone, and, and, you know, we text a lot, and we don't call often. And so when I saw the phone ringing, I immediately thought something might be wrong. I pick up the phone, and, I, and she said, Mom, Mom, I got engaged. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So just an incredible person. Yeah. When she came to Peoria for the birth of both of my daughters. Um, So, well, she lived in Peoria when my first daughter was born. When my second daughter was born, she was in Wisconsin. Her mom drove her um, to Peoria, and she stayed a week with me and watched my oldest daughter, you know, while I was in the hospital. She, um, when my father died, she came down for a week and uh, watched my kids while I was making all of the arrangements and everything. Um, I remember she was probably a sophomore in high school, and she lived in Wisconsin. And I get a knock at my door. She's there with her mom. They drove down to Peoria to give me a dozen roses and show up (laughs) on my doorstep on Mother's Day. And I'm like, who does this? 
So the people you impact. That's yeah, who. really cool people. You know, there's some really cool people doing some really good things. And yeah. so if you have the mentality that economics or whatever is, you know, the barrier, you're dead wrong because a lot of the students that I've taught over the years have done some really incredible things, you know. Yeah, and have elevated their lives. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you. We've seen, this is the perfect example of the mm-hmm. yin and yang to what you do. Mm-hmm. The good and the bad, but you still have to find the good in it, and mm-hmm. you still have to be aware of the bad and the good. Right. How have you kept your heart from not getting harder with all the sorrow? Let's be honest, because you've seen a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. You've experienced it. You've lost but then you yeah. do have the good. Yeah. Look at this. Lakeisha, right? Yep. Like, oh, my God. I this know. is a great story. I know. From everything. But how do you prevent that? You know, it's it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. And um, this summer, I actually went into my principal and I said, I, I think I'm, I think I need to take a semester or the year off. I'm really um, having a hard time. I'm trying not not to cry because I'm not a crier at all. It's a safe space. Um, And he said, he's just a great, he's a great person and a a great boss and a great friend. And he said, I get it, but I've known you a long time, Hetty. And what's going to get you out of this space is being with children. That's what you love. That that's your passion. That's your life. And to be at home without all of these kids running around, that's that's not you. And yeah. that's just he's he offered that as his advice. I don't think that that's going to help you, you know, um, you with your game. grieving. You, you need to be yeah. around kids and you need to feel like you're making a difference. So seeing the smiley faces, yeah. the light bulb. Take me through this moment because I feel like I've talked to a lot of teachers. My sister's a teacher. Um, they always talk about this light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Like when a kid gets something that you get. Mm-hmm. Take me through that. Yeah. Because I feel like that might be a little bit of what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. I, I had a moment like I, I was actually, I, I was at my mom's house earlier today and I was telling my mom this story because we were wrapping my students' Christmas presents. <laughs> and so as we're wrapping, I was writing the tag for one of them. And, and this kid's a handful. I mean, he just is. Um I'm, I've had him for two years, and he's still a handful. And I've had his brother for two years, and he was a handful. But I love the family. I, I, I know the family really, really well. And, you know, tough family, tough, you know, tough extended family. And I'm telling a story about why I believe in Santa. So I was telling them the story, which is a true story, but... Not that's for our third time together. Yes. <laughs> All so, I had to do was call you on the radio. I got three pods worthy. I'm, you know, I need to do it more often. <laughs> so, under his breath, he says, So, I'm telling this story about this older man 20 years ago that I helped, and then this strange incident happened afterwards. And so, Part of the story is there was an older man, and he didn't lost his wallet, and we're at a gas station, and it's bitter cold, like below zero out. And he was much older, maybe in his 90s. He was shaking because he couldn't find his money, and everybody in the gas station is stomping their foot and 
um, you know, huffing and puffing. And I felt so terrible that I cut the line and I said that I would pay for the gentleman and and my and and for my gas. Yeah. And as I'm telling the story, this really rough kid says, <laughs> he laughs and he says, Miss Elliot is so charitable. And that was kind of the light bulb moment, like, that that's not his MO. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, but it's, it's neat that he starts to understand people who are, you, you know, what they, what people are all about or what, uh, just a different. Out of his own perspective. Right. He's now taking the world, instead of viewing the world through his lenses mm-hmm. he's now taking people for what they are yeah. oh he's going through a hard time miss Elliot's always there yeah <laughs> all right maybe i shouldn't be as judgmental yeah and oh. it, and it, it was just so neat to hear him as as he's a, a wild man i'm just wild as hell you know and just to hear him say that it's like yeah it's it, what an what a nice compliment and just to hear him kind of process it and say it to himself yeah. i thought Oh, that's. Do you understand? Yeah, and what and uh, what a neat compliment that was. Now let me ask you this, Hetty. So we're talking about different children that have stand out in your career so far, mm-hmm. or in this journey that you're on. Mm-hmm. What do you feel the community has misunderstood about the children that you help? Um. Ooh, think about that one. Yeah, I you know because <laughs> there's a lot I feel. There's. There's a whole lot, mm-hmm. but I I think what I think this this is kind of my whole you know overarching idea. Mm-hmm. There are so many people say it's race, so many people say it's economics, so many people say it's this, that, and the other. In my opinion. It's experience. It's lack of experience. It's not economics. It's not race. It's not this or that. It's experience. And when so what I try to do to the best of my ability with kids is to give them a million and one experiences all packed into one school year. So mm-hmm. let's, hey, let's get a van. Let's go to the zoo. Let's go to the museum. Let's go to the bakery. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go this. Let's have hot chocolate in class. Let's do, you know. So pack all of the experiences in. So hopefully that at one point they start to level out with their middle class peers because it's not all race and it's not all economics it's experience and so to experience yeah. life yeah interesting and when you don't have a car you live within about six to eight blocks i mean yeah. that's that's just kind of the way it is and that's it's the same way with my ged students it's the same way with my young students they their whole life is six to eight blocks um and they're blamed for not knowing any better when when they haven't experienced you know they've experienced so little that's all they know mm-hmm. which takes me back to my travels and my volunteer work in Latin America it's the same idea it's right it's it's very poor communities in Latin America and they live in a little village and they don't they only know the people in the village they don't pay a lot of attention to politics and 
the world because they're living day to day, you know. And so mm. it's kind of, you know, the same, you know, kind of the same experience. How would you react to this statement? It's a person that was raised with love cannot understand a person that was raised to survive. Hmm. Or is it very difficult for them to understand? Because they're both raised very differently. A person that was only raised to see love, experience love, and a person that was raised to survive day to day out that may have not had that. It's difficult for them to see. I don't know if it's that difficult. Ooh, why is that? Um, because I think it can change. And I think that's what life in the world is all about. My student who was, who was killed... Mm-hmm. was raised to survive and the day of his his graduation his senior breakfast i stood in as a parent because he didn't have a parent to go with him mm-hmm. um it's okay you good <laughs> um she's a, she's awesome she's so cute <laughs> so i he was writing we were coming home from the breakfast, and I said, oh, I forgot. I, I have a gift for you. I have a card for you. And he said, do you want me to open it now or later? And I said, oh, whatever you want to do, honey. So I dropped him off at home, and an hour or so later, he sent me a text, and it was a card with cash in it. And he says in his text, Miss Elliot, thank you so much. That was the most beautiful card that I've ever seen. No mention of the cash. So here's somebody who was, you know, raised or just to survive mm. without, you know, a lot of love or guidance and no mention of money, just of what was written in the card that was so meaningful to him. So he, I just think that he experienced a lot of love and, you know, yeah. from from me i guess and it kind of changed his heart where he was you know charitable where he's gonna risk his life really to climb down on the outside of a seven, <laughs> 17 story building i mean that's pretty risky yeah. for charity you know and i think you know it's really neat to see that uh-huh. that can change i believe it maybe yeah. maybe i'm wrong but i believe it no, changes i think you see a lot of good in the world mm-hmm. but there are some people who choose just to see the negative mm-hmm. they don't want to accept the yin to the yang right they're just all one perspective mm-hmm. how do you feel we can people that or not i'm not going to throw myself at mm-hmm. this but you and other community members uh, who have it Kendall, DeMario, Becky mm-hmm. Different people who are trying to get those that are looking outside in to mm-hmm. understand the kids better. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't understand kids. So, they put them in a box and... Right. Yeah. So what I like to do on social media is to show all of this. The, the kids being kids. The kids yeah. having fun. The kids with smiles on their faces. Learning. My GED students proud of everything that they've done. Um, but what I think I'm best at is modeling. So I model what I want 
what I think is best for kids and adults and and modeling being a good community member and to be uh, a charitable charitable person and a kind person. All I can do is model that um, and hope others follow. Yeah. Um, and if not, you know, I only have energy for those who are positive and and if you you kind of have to balance that with with the negativity you kind of either have to shut it out or that it it can you know it's like a a tie you know the tide pulling you under you know so you just kind of have to stay away from all of the positive or all of the negative and yeah so you said you've had you try to set an example. Mm-hmm. So we talked about your father mm-hmm. and the Y friends. Mm-hmm. Have there been other members in the community that have positively impacted you throughout your journeys oh, that yeah. add to who Hetty Elliott is trying to be for the community? Oh, yeah. So yeah. take me through some of them. Okay. Um, my fourth grade teacher. Hmm. Um, by She was... I thought she was everything. I mean, I <laughs> went home and wanted to be Mrs. Russell. <laughs> Mrs. Russell. <laughs> I wanted to do everything that she did because she was so inspirational. How so? She was just happy all the time. She was funny. She was engaging. Um, she would play the piano and we would sing show tunes and, you know, ben it, <laughs> five foot two, um, <laughs> Bill Bailey. <laughs> and it was just so much fun. And she died at a, uh, a very early age in her 40s. Um, from breast cancer, and later on in my career, mm-hmm. I won the Susie Russell, uh, um, uh, oh, you know, bring it full circle. Yeah, yeah, whatever it was, uh, yeah. excellence in teaching award, and so I was like, oh my gosh, that is huge. You know, she was my idol. You know, and hmm. so she was a great um, model for for what I, you know, and I was a little kid, you know, and I remember so vividly everything that I did in her classroom even she kind of picked up on my love of geography and I would always go to the library and all of the kids were you know picking fictional books and I was always over you know looking at the different countries and places that I wanted to travel when I was older so she would always give me extra geography work and map work and and I really feel like she inspired some of my later travels to um, different countries. So. so instead of trying to fit you in a box, she's like, oh, no, I know what you love. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Do yeah. you do that with your kids now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, once... <laughs> I'm I'm actually notorious for it. <laughs> Once somebody says they're interested in something, I go way way overboard and make sure. It's <laughs> interesting because all right, let, let's break it down. Your father, big heart, community. Mm-hmm. We see where it fits you. Mm-hmm. Now, Mrs. Russell pushes you for whatever you're passionate about. Sets a good, consistent, positive image, mm-hmm. a good foundation. That's what you do with the kids. Mm-hmm. So you have two big positive role models in your life mm-hmm. that you're emulating now. Mm-hmm. Isn't that intriguing? I, it it is. has to be. It right? is. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent that I feel 
the more positive role models we put, male, female, whatever, it instills us confidence in us to duplicate it. Because I'm like my father and my mom. Mm-hmm. Too hard, hard-headed, hard-working, <laughs> very passionate. My pops are subtle with sarcasm. My mom's in your face with positivity. <laughs> That's who sums up Ross. Mm-hmm. So what other people do you feel that have impacted you so greatly? Because you do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like there's more to uncover. So when at, at, at one point I ended up quitting my, my job for a few oh. years. And I went to three different people in the community and asked for advice. And I said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Can I sit with you? And you can either tell me it's a good idea, bad idea, kick me in the face, whatever. (laughs) I just need to know because I trust in in what you do. And um, one of those people was Dr. John Carroll. And he runs Haitian Hearts. And so he quit his job as a, a, an ER doctor to only um, volunteer in, in Haiti. Really? And so left all of that money just to volunteer. Oh, and so man. when I was thinking of quitting, I, I only wanted to leave teaching for a short period of time, a few years, because I knew that my GED program, I was actually at that time doing it as a volunteer for many, many years. And um, I knew that that was nice to do it, but it wasn't sustainable. And if I, if I wanted the program to be there long after me, I had to find some money and some resources and some employees, you know, so it would be sustainable. I, I, I am strong advocate for adult education. There's, um, it's a very narrow field of education. So there's not a lot of resources out there. Mm. So if I wanted it to grow, I was going to have to raise some money to do it. And I thought the the best way to fundraise would be to leave my job so I could figure this out full time for a few years. And um, that's what I did. And I went right to Dr. Carroll because I knew that's exactly what he did and got his advice. And he's just a a fine human being, a humble person, so kind and so passionate about what he does. He's just a, I mean... I don't know. Uh, Andy's tough. Andy's a tough guy. Three words I use to describe you. <laughs> <laughs> tough, humble, passionate. Because it took, it took, what, 15, 20 minutes before I even got you talking about anything that you're doing on the phone. I'm like, Henny, what are you doing? I've heard so much. Well, I'm doing things, right? Like, All right. So let's talk about this. Let's flip it. Because okay. we've, we've talked about the prevention, mm-hmm. getting the young kids, yep. trying to instill them that confidence. That's amazing. But when you're more reactionary to what's happening with mm. the Moonlight Program, mm. these are men that have been through a lot, mm-hmm. have made decisions, coming back from it, owning up to, like Kendall Johnson. Mm-hmm. He told me he went through the Moonlight Program with you? Um, he was at the county jail, actually. Oh, he was there. Yep. He had a lot of good things to talk yep. about when you were doing that. Yeah. And so, so what he did was, um, after his incarceration, he was a volunteer. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yep. yes. So let's talk about Moonlight Program. Mm -hmm. How did that become a thing? Okay. How much time do you have, Ross? How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) 
Believe it or not, we're an hour in, but I'll break this apart if we have to, honey. I got you here. I know you're busy, and I'm going home for vacation, so... Let's talk about it. Okay, so that's the story in itself. So, way back in the day, okay, it, it's the reason I avoided you for so long, <laughs> and, <laughs> See, and, I and, 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 I and I did avoid you. It I wasn't was like, I'm busy, uh, Ross. I knew it. They, yeah. I love great voice shows, honey. I know it. It's very professional. <laughs> I put my good voice on for you. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's so much. There's so much. It's just hard to even. It, so I think in my mind, there's so much going on. Like when somebody says, what do you do? Uh, I'm a teacher. And that's all I want. I don't want to say everything. Teacher, <laughs> mentor, community organizer, uh, social empowerment, <laughs> uh, foundation of love. Yeah, I mean, I could start naming titles if you like. So... If we back up again, when I was a first-year teacher, I left a few parts out of the other things I was doing. So, on purpose. <laughs> Actually, of course. Of course. So, it's so, like an onion. We're peeling layers, <laughs> little by little. I ask you questions like, well, now that you mention it. Hey, For the listening awesome. audience, I'm on a couch here at WMBT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in therapy. Like, this is a ther- therapeutic session from what I've been told by DeMario. Shout out to him, friend of the show. So, let's take us through Moonlight Program. You're doing... 35 things, because mm-hmm. let's be honest, you're doing a lot, <laughs> but you're seeing the youth, So and you're seeing the good, the bad, mm-hmm. the lost, the found. Let's take us through it. So before I, uh, the year before I started teaching with uh, District 150, I was in, doing my student teaching in Peoria, and a friend of mine was doing the GED program for the Moonlight Basketball League, okay? Mm-hmm. He's a friend of my oldest brother's. He actually is the same person who uh, encouraged me to teach at the jail. Mm-hmm. And back up a little further, when there was an article about this guy when I was a senior in college, and it was on the front page of the paper, and he was the director of education at the county jail. And all about GED, you know, it was a really interesting article. So it was still when you had the house phone, and he called, and <laughs> he was calling for my oldest brother, and I said, hey, you know, I saw that that story about you in, in Sunday's paper, you know. I said, that seems so cool. And I n- have never forgotten this, and he is a person who inspired me with with this one phone call he said there's not very many people in this world who can uh, do that job he said but you would be one of them so you really need to think about applying um to teach inmates when you graduate how do you how do you pick that apart about you through one phone call well i mean he he's known me since i was a little kid (laughs) And I thought, wow, I've never thought about GED. And um, so I was student teaching. Same guy called me. He said, hey, I'm, I'm a volunteer in, in Moonlight Basque, the Moonlight Basketball League. I have four kids. You know, my wife is on my case. And how about you take it over? You know, would you be interested in volunteering for it? And I said, 
yeah, sure. And beef. <laughs> but he didn't tell me it ran from 10 p.m. till 1 a.m. on Thursday <laughs> nights. I'm like, I'm teaching in the, in the middle of the night. Okay. So I took it on and I loved it. It was the really? coolest program. What's so cool about it? Like, what made you so passionate about it so quickly? Well, because the, the students, they were, who's, who's studying at midnight? You know, like who's coming to class at midnight? <laughs> a, a young Ross that made bad decisions. <laughs> so it was, it was so cool. So in, at the time, it was at the old Y. So I have a lot of connections with that building. Wow. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I know. It, it's really. It's. It's. Um, you know. It's the way things were supposed to be you know god knew what he was doing this whole time you know and so it was at the old y and it started at 10 p.m so the the league played there was a game 10 p.m next game was 11 p.m next game was midnight and so i would teach one group at 10, one group at 11, and another group at at midnight before their 1 a.m. game. Yeah, because you don't want them before they get all exhausted. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So I would teach them for an hour before their game. So actually, mm-hmm. the the league went 10, 10 p.m. till 2 a.m., but I taught 10, 10 to 1 on Thursday nights. And I just really thought it was you know the neatest program everybody in the league was a volunteer no one was paid including me and i like that i don't i don't want money to do what i love to do i mean i if if i'm paid if that's my profession great but all of the extras i i don't want money to do it i want to be I want to just enjoy what I'm doing. You need enough to get by, pay some bills, and not right. be in debt and do what you love to do. Right. Yeah, it's a blessing. So I did that for many, many years, um, probably up to about 2012. So from the nine, you know, mid-90s to about 2012. And so the league, the head of the league uh, was in a bad accident. He's still with us, but he was in a really bad accident. And so... The funding was through Budweiser, and and at the time, um, the the guy who started the league, one of the guys, was the president of Budweiser. So a lot of our money uh, for the league kind of, you know. Internally, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was tough because then everybody else had to fundraise for the league and everything. And then the people were getting older, so I was 30 years younger than everybody else volunteering in the league when I started. So, you know, people are like, we've done it long enough. So the league went away for, it it just went away. And so I kept the Moonlight name because it really was inspired through uh, Moonlight Basketball. So I was teaching at Harrison, teaching 10 to 1 a.m. on Thursday nights, teaching at the county jail. And then I started teaching this is before I was married or had kids, so I was teaching kind of everywhere. I yeah. taught at Moss Avenue, used to have an adult ed. I taught a program in Taft and Harrison Homes in the evenings. You know, I'd go Taft one night, Harrison the other night, and go back and forth. So I've taught GED everywhere. So the more I taught, the more I saw that there is a great need. And in Peoria, it's almost an epidemic. 
Mm. There's so many people who don't hold a high school diploma. I mean, it's it's at, you know, an, an epidemic proportion. 36% yep. is yep. up there? Yeah. Wow. So in... 61605, the estimation is there is about 40% of the adults who don't hold a high school diploma, which 40%. is 40%, which translates into thousands of people. Yeah. So I, there are lots of people who need it. And Under there's educated. lots of people in Peoria County, not just in Peoria, but the rural counties kind of have the same issue. So really? I started to become really passionate about adult ed, very passionate about digging through all of the data to, you know, is this my instinct or is this really a problem that I think I'm seeing? So everywhere I would go, you know, (laughs) go in the drive-through with when my kids were little and the cashier would say, are you the lady who teaches GED? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I, right. I would be driving down, you know, Griswold and people, hey, yeah, she teaches GED. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I would get phone calls from random people. I, do you, do you have red hair and teach GED? Like you're, how, Oh, you're calling me. I mean, who do you think you're calling? <laughs> what are you talking about? Right <laughs> <Yeah, okay. laughs> so, so it's just very bizarre. And I'm not even exaggerating. All of this stuff would happen all of the time. And I thought, if this is happening all of the time, my instincts are true. There are a lot of people who need a GED. Yeah. And there's not a lot of resources. There's not a lot of money. And there's not a lot of teachers who do it. And the word of mouth gets around. Yeah. So what I did was I was at Proctor Center where I actually um, went to nursery school at Proctor Center on the south end. So um, I was always around Proctor and I started volunteering down there. And um, I would just, when inmates would get out of jail or people who would call me, I would say, yeah, just come down to Proctor and I'll meet you on Wednesday nights, five to seven. Okay. I'm not getting paid. I'm just, you know, hustling books and paper and, you know, consistency. yeah. So yeah. I would just always be there. And then at one point it's like the Verizon commercial, like people are just like following me around everywhere <laughs> I went, you know, like, you know, G E D like, okay, okay guys, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> like, I have just, you know, I have my own kids. I, I have a job, like five of them. I can't do this. So. But you got to support the community at yeah. this point. So I ended How up. How's that feel though? Honestly. And I, I hate to deter, but let, let's talk about that. That's, you have the community support. Not just people in your circle, but people calling to figure out who you are. No. That's that's really nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's really it's validation that you're walking in your light. It has to be. Yeah. I yeah, I hope so. You know, you always hope that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I feel like I am, but yeah, yeah, it seems so. like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we have the community rallying behind you, like the moment of the Ali movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're behind you. So where we go from here? So I, I, I was at Proctor Center, and there's just, you know, 
it, I was being a nice person tutoring one, two, three, then it was five, 20, 30, 60. And I'm like, okay. 60? 60. 60. And, and I had to reevaluate what I'm doing. I'm a nice person, mm-hmm. okay? But is this sustainable? And it's not. And at some point, I might be doing people a disservice because I can't do more than, you know, they're they're expecting me to, to be here every week. Well, I'm a volunteer, and they're expecting me to have all of these books, and I'm just hustling to get them, you know. Like, It'll get to you eventually. You know, and I'm like, you know, maybe this is either I have to do one or the other. I'm going to have to find the money to make this a legitimate program. I'm going to have to stop it altogether because yeah. I, I never, I have high expectations for myself. And I knew at that point I couldn't, you can't keep up that pace forever, especially having kids and being married. You can't. Your social life, yep. your personal yep. life, your internal life, yep. your communal life. It's a lot. Yeah. So I had to step back and say, okay, this is the way it's going to be all in or, or none at all. So I went to Dr. Carroll and a couple other community people, and I said, you know, went to my oldest brother, who is a good businessman, and I said, went to my husband, um, told everybody I think I should quit my job for three years as a teacher, work only on fundraising for GED. After three years, I have a master's degree. If it doesn't work, I just go back to teaching. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Um so some people said I was crazy, but I went to my key people, Dr. Carroll being one of them who quit his job, my brother being a good businessman, and a couple educational leaders in the community, Dr. Jerry Brookhart, who was at the time the regional superintendent, he said, you got the right idea, kid. You bring the school to the people. You don't uh, expect the the people to come to the school you're flipping the model and that's what needs to be done you're thinking out of the box go for it yeah went to dr carroll he told me his story if you know if it's not about money he said i could be living in a gigantic house on grandview drive but i don't i i would rather do what i do in haiti and live in this same small house that i've lived in my whole life and give all of my money in my time to uh, those most in need instead of having all of this fancy stuff. So that kind of, you know. Sustainable, not too much. Yeah. So then my oldest brother said, in three years, you know, you don't even know what your life is going to be like in three years. So having a three-year plan, knowing if it doesn't work and you go back, you know, it's, it's doable. Yeah. My husband said, you don't pay any bills anyway, so what does it matter to me? <laughs> he says, I don't know if you work or don't work because you don't, you don't add any money to the pot. So, <laughs> what I add, you can't define, brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I kind of touched all bases, and I, and I quit. So I quit for three years. Um, Did that pain you at all to walk away? No, because I knew that if I didn't raise the money that in in my heart I was going to leave adult education. And that drove me to, and I knew that I would be back with, with kids someday. You know, whether it, I said three years, I'm going back to traditional teaching whether it works or not. So I knew, just give me three years and I'll figure it out. Small sacrifice for a big game. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, long story short, I uh, achieved my mission. So, from the time I quit was probably about 2012, 2013 till now. Um, we have probably raised $4 million for adult education for GED. $4 million? $4 million. That's impressive. I know. I know. Um, That's a lot of fun. Yes. And so now I have 28 employees. So I'm kind of just the figurehead now. Um, from where it was. Yeah. It was, every what, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And, and, and every time somebody went to get a GED, I was had my hand out to my husband. Okay, we got to pay for another one. He's like, I don't even know these people. Why am I paying for They're it? They're the wife friends. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask why. Right. <laughs> so we pay for everybody's GED. Everything is free. Everything we offer is free. That's what... Um, they did with Moonlight Basketball. They yeah. offered a free education. They bring the school to the people. So we kept that inspiration and kept the name. Um, and everything is free. So we, uh, y- you walk in any time. I could have gotten money, lots of money, from different grants through the state and some other uh, grants. But they, I could only receive it if I would run my program semester to semester, and I said, that's not good for the people. I'll just wait until my ship comes in because I'm not changing my mission. My mission is open enrollment. You can start tomorrow. You can start any day. You wake up and you feel like you want to get your GED. No one is going to be turned away. I don't care what reading level you're at. I don't care how many people come to our doors. There's not going to be a limit. Um, if there's too many we can't afford, I'll find the volunteers. So we we don't turn anyone away, and we don't take one dime from anybody, from any student. And so, so why, why is it open enrollment? It's just because you would like them. To there's have... a real reason. Yeah, hit me with this one. So, open enrollment means you can start any time you want, right? Yeah, middle of school year, quote yeah. unquote. So, if you so I worked with inmates. So if an inmate got out in September, the other programs um, in the community, most other programs started in August, like a, like a school semester. So if he got out in September, the first time he could even enroll would be mid-January when second semester started. So you lose all of that the time. The, the time and the, the motivation. Yes. And I teach anyone from 16 to my oldest was 82 years old. Really? Yeah. All the way up to 82? Yeah. So anybody oh. who wants to better their education is welcome. And so this woman who was um, a student of mine at 82, she came in and she said, I just want to be a better reader. I was a housekeeper in the South my whole life. I moved up to Peoria and she's like, I don't really want to work on my GED. I just want to be a better reader. Come on in, sister. I mean, like, that's what we want. We want to inspire people to value education. Hmm. Um, So that just gives her the foundation. and Maybe it'll spark something more. And she will model that for her 
family and you know, my grandma yes. is still in school. Why, you know, you can't drop out. Grandma's still in school or great grandma's still in I school. I remember that. Because yeah. when my grandma, rest her soul, she was, when she was alive and I was a youngster, she would have to go from cleaning to take a bus mm-hmm. all the way down to go get her GED program yeah. and mm-hmm. then back to cleaning yep. again. And that type of responsibility yeah. and dedication yeah. consistently. That's why I'm like, I can't take a day off. Right. I feel bad when I take a day right. off. Because if she could do that on right. CTA, yep. I could walk up the stairs. Right. Yep. Hmm. So, this is interesting. So it's, it's, and that's the other thing about adult ed, that the, it's so important because the, the adult students are modeling the value of education. So that's what we don't have in the United States. We don't have the value of education. Okay. What do you mean by that? So if you think about poor countries who run circles around us as far as education, mm-hmm. that's because they value education. It's important. We don't value it. When it's we a just business. Yeah. It's it's a for profit business. Um it's buying curriculum after curriculum to keep some, you know, uh business very rich. You could give a damn about the students. You just want to change the program every two years so you can have you have to buy all of the parts to the program. It's never about the student. And so we until we get to the point where people just value education for what it is, things cannot change to get any better. Money is not going to change it. You we have more money than any country in, in the world, and we have a, a poor education system. So money isn't the answer, but mm-hmm. that's the answer that that's the low-hanging fruit. Everybody, oh, we need more resources. No, you don't. You, you need to teach the value of education. So and what is the value of education? Modeling that education is important. Mm-hmm. Modeling the grandmother 82 is modeling that education is important to the younger generations in her family. Your grandmother was modeling that education is important and you felt you knew how hard she tried to get that um, diploma. So you were inspired to try that hard to get the diploma. And one of my students said the other night, which just warmed my heart, a, a, stu- a student I had way back in the day as a little kid um, was in her 30s. She called me to sign up for GED because she saw some posts that I had with a recent graduate. Sent me a, a, a Facebook message, Miss Elliot, I'm ready. I'm like, yes, I've been, I've been after you for years, girl. That's how I felt when I called. Hey, same. <laughs> Except I didn't answer when you called. So. <laughs> So another student came in right after her and said, you know, so-and-so signed up tonight. And this was a a current student. And I said, yeah, I'm so excited. I said, you know, I taught her as a little kid. And she says, the, the other student says, you know what? I'm proud of us. I'm proud of all of us. You know, look yeah. at us. We we could we could be like everybody else, dropouts, but look at us. We're all here tonight yes. trying to do better. And I thought, wow, that's the value of education, you know, to be excited to learn, to be excited to succeed, excited for others to uh, commit to their education. I mean, that's the value of education. 
Would you say that's your why? To allow yeah. people to understand the value of education? I guess. If Ross says that's my no, why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really. Because I remember I, I told you about this when we first had our initial conversation. I'm like, I'm going to ask you what your why is, honey. <laughs> and you could not have an answer, but I'm going to pick a pride because I'm such a nerd about this. I like figuring out what, make people, what makes people tick mm-hmm. or pushes their motivation yeah. or fills their cup yeah. or empowers their heart. Yeah. So what is your why? I mean, that uh, I don't. I don't know. Like I you don't, don't know. You just go home and text me like I don't. I hate you. <laughs> you got me thinking tonight. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so I just I am so excited. I mean, it never gets old. And my staff, they're they just they tease me all the time. A person can walk in that hasn't been there in 15 years and. I'll say, oh, my God, Ross, I'm glad you're back. You need to finish that math test. You got all the way to the end. And and they're like, how do you know that? I mean, you've taught thousands of adult students. I just remember. I don't know. I just. The one subject they're not good at. You call that. (laughs) Did you discern this out of me, Hetty? Maybe. (laughs) But But, that little, that that thing. mm -hmm. So I'm all about making, about bringing light to stories. Mm -hmm. Right? I feel like you're just another collection in the story of Peoria, mm-hmm. which is a good thing because there's a lot of great in the community. Yeah. What's something or some things you want the community to know about your story that they may not know? I don't accept things that are illogical. I believe that the answers to life, life's problems are right in front of us at all times. And I never sway from my mission. I think those three things would sum up my entire being. If if something, <laughs> I remember I was getting really tough with one of my students, and mm. and he would laugh out loud if he heard me saying this. Hi, Martise, I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> you got <problems. laughs> well done. He, he was giving me every excuse in the book why he was doing. Uh, poorly in one uh, high school class after I I had him for three years, not two years, three years. Mm. So he was a tough kid. And I said, that is so illogical. I'm not accepting that nonsense. It's so illogical. And he's like, what? I said, it's illogical. You you did this same thing for three years in my class, had no problem with it. Now you have a problem with it. I said, I'm not accepting it. It's illogical. (laughs) Give me another excuse. (laughs) Try again. But I can't, my mind, if I think it's illogical, I just can't accept it. And and I'm bullheaded in that sense. Mm -hmm. If it's, I just won't accept it. I think a lot of people get away from their mission, and I think money is the driving factor to take people away from their mission. And if I could offer any advice to anybody, you have your mission, and you should always go back to your mission before making any decision. Hmm. And many, many times in my career, I've been offered, okay, 
how about, you know, we'll give you X amount of dollars for this grant, but you have to include, you know, a cooking class for your your adult students. I don't even know how to cook. I didn't ask my husband. I don't even know how to cook and I don't cook at home and I'm not interested in cooking and I know. So, so no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) But it's taking a, you know, it's, it's going after the money and no, I'm an expert in this area and this area only. And I don't want any extras to get me off of that task. You want stipulations to tie you down. If you want to help, you're going to help. Right. And so a lot of times people should go back and and check, do some self-reflection. And I did. I remember being 40 years old and I was on every board, every committee. And I thought, half the time I'm grabbing different notebooks. I don't even know what meeting I'm walking into because I was on so many. And I, at one point I said, I'm writing a mission statement for myself, a personal mission statement just for Mm. me. And if it doesn't include education, caring for the poor, caring for the imprisoned, or caring for the elderly, I'm not doing it. So every board I was on, if it didn't fit fit my mission, I resigned from that board. And so every time I'm asked to be a part of something, if it doesn't fall into that mission, the answer is an easy no, because I don't want to sway from that. I want all of my energy on earth to go into what I'm supposed to be doing. It's only so much time a day. Yep. You've got to use it all. Yep. Okay. You know, we've been talking for about an hour and a half. Okay. Now. Well, it's time to end. <laughs> <laughs> Hattie, thank you so much for coming in. Before yeah. we end, I'm going to toss you an easy softball question. Okay. Um, if there's anybody in the community that would like to get to know you, get more information or help out, how mm-hmm. can you get in contact with you through anything? Okay. So um, the Peoria Park District, through the Friends of Proctor or through Moonlight Coalition, uh, you could call the Park District office and they can give you more information. Um, my email is hedelliot, E-L-L-I-O-T-T, at hotmail.com. And if there's questions about teaching or things that have to do with the school district or just being charitable, um, please just reach out to me. All right. That's been another episode of KZ 1023's Community Beat. I'm Ross Martinez. Again, finally, <laughs> got her. Hey, Elliot, a big name in the community. Thank you so much for everything. Yeah, you're Great welcome. conversation. I'm going to reach out again. All right, we're out. Peace. <laughs>